welcome back. Thanks for tuning in to Axiom Youth Podcast. We hope you're having a great holiday season. This lesson is being taught by Brother Jared Turner, and it's entitled The Culture of Christmas. We hope you enjoy. Um, how, many, how many have ever heard on like a cheesy Christmas movie or uh, like a sto- Christmas story about what the true meaning of Christmas is. Haven't you ever heard that phrase before that we got to get back to the true meaning of Christmas, right? That's kind of like a theme of um, a lot of Christmas stories where, you know, people are so caught up in throwing parties and and going to uh, Christmas events and giving presents and shopping that they lose the true meaning of Christmas. So, I want to talk a little bit about the true meaning of Christmas today, um, but from a truly biblical perspective, not just a cultural perspective or a Hallmark Channel perspective. Because um, when those in those movies, what what do you think? Not in, I'm not talking about just movies, but just kind of in the culture at large, where you go, friends that you go to school with. What would you th- say that people believe the true meaning of Christmas is? What Jesus's birthday? Okay. So anything else? Kind of what 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 what, what kind of words come to mind when you think of the true meaning of Christmas? Joy. Forgiveness, love, family. Yeah, these these are kind of things that they readjust to. And people love to celebrate Christmas, and they love to celebrate, um, you know, giving and being joyful and com- coming together and p- and peace peace on earth. That people love to to talk about peace on earth. Now there was a pretty remarkable story. I think the year was 1914, and it was in um, France. It was during World War One, and they were the men were in their trenches. That how many know anything about trench warfare? Ever studied that in school? The trenches. They yeah. It was it was awful fighting and it lasted in they pretty much stayed in the same lines and neither army made an advance for about three to four years it was really a terrible event but on christmas day 1914 one german the story goes there's different accounts but one story goes that in france there's there's the allied forces the english the french on this side and the germans on this side and there was a story that on christmas day that one in the middle of the night, early that morning, I guess, one German uh, soldier stood up and began to sing Silent Night. And, that, and then both sides in their languages began to sing Silent Night because they all knew the tune. They, they all began to sing Silent Night. And, bef- and then one brave soul stepped out of the trench and then another and then another. Now, typically, if you stepped out of the trench, you would be shot immediately because they were this all they were doing was in their trench looking for any little bit of movement or a little bit of light that they could fire at so if you stuck your head up you were shot 
But one brave soul stood up and then others, and then they met out in the middle of what they call no man's land, which is where no person survived to be, and they had a Christmas party, and it was to just kind of illustrate peace on earth. So, and the next day, they went back to fighting. But for that few hours, it's, it's remarkable. It's, it's really, really quite strange, but it was kind of the power of, of human spirit of Christmas, right? That idea that there could be peace on earth. It's very powerful. And there's a lot of powerful stories about Christmas, about having love and tolerance and forgiveness in your heart. How many of you have ever heard of Charles Dickens' story, The Christmas Carol? The Christmas Carol, right? It's it's really not about Jesus so much, but it's it is about this kind of human effort to be a better person, this human ability to have peace, to have joy, to have comfort, all of that kind of stuff to help one another. And that is a good thing. Uh, I'm not here to kind of put down that power of the spirit of Christmas of cell because many people celebrate Christmas and that's a good thing I think I think it, as many people's want to even if you don't believe in Jesus it's I think it's fine to celebrate Christmas and to celebrate the power of the season but see we are different because we should have a deeper understanding of what Christmas came to be about so we're going to talk about the big meaning of Christmas not just you know the better meaning of Christmas but the big meaning of Christmas what does it mean to keep Christmas to keep what Jesus did in our heart because ultimately the way that peace on earth happens and the way that love and the way that joy really sustainably happens more than just one day where you call a truce to fighting and then you go back to slaughtering one another on the very next day. More than just because human effort runs out really quickly. Human peace, human love, human forgiveness, human tolerance runs out very, very quickly. So the power of Christmas is always limited if we just keep it in our own heart. But what Jesus came to do was everlasting peace, everlasting joy, something that would not fade away. What Christmas really is about, and this may not be readily apparent, but what I'm going to teach on today, what Christmas really is about is about culture. It's about culture. How many know what culture means? What does culture mean? Yeah, so things that are involved in culture, very good. What they eat, how they dress, how they speak, how they identify themselves. Uh, culture, what, what, what are some things about Arkansas culture that you can name? Let's just, fried chicken, everybody goes to church, sweet tea, crazy weather, tornadoes. Yeah, we love tornadoes. This love-hate relationship with tornadoes. What else? No, okay, Ch weather changes. Big trucks, cousins, Mary. Now I think that's a myth, but okay, yeah. <laughs> Sammy Joe, boots, yeah, cowboy boots, hats, Razorbacks. Yeah, these are all part of Arkansas culture. Hunting, fishing, right? Yeah, hunting. I see. Yeah, our talk, our speech. These are these are things. These are things. Uh, 
that are involved in Arkansas culture, right? And, we, and we're proud to be Arkansans, and we, we embrace our Arkansas heritage and Arkansas culture. But see, what Jesus came to do at Christmas when he was born is he came really to address every culture, and not just to reach every culture, but to change every culture and bring every culture into one culture. That's really what Jesus came to do. Now, this is directly opposite of what the world teaches. If you ever go to university, and you may hear it some in high school, there what is proposed. What is pushed today is multiculturalism. And that is a very anti-Christmas idea. Okay? It's anti-Christmas. Here's why. Because they teach that all cultures are created equal. That all ideas are equal, and it's just your personal preference. But what Jesus came to teach when he came to earth was that no culture was good enough to meet salvation, to really address the deep needs of humankind, that no government, no ethnic group, no tradition was good enough, was powerful enough to really address the wrongs that were done by humans to other humans. That's why Christmas is about joy and about peace on earth. It's not what we could accomplish in human culture, but it's that human culture fell so short that God came himself to be a savior. So Christmas, when we celebrate Christmas, we really are acknowledging that all people need a savior. That's why Jesus came. It was prophesied to Abraham. He said, through thy seed, God told him, through your children, all the nations or all the cultures of the earth will be blessed through one person. This is not multiculturalism where you just acknowledge that everybody has something of value. It's saying that really nobody has anything of value and the only way forward is through one man being a savior so christmas is and most people don't like this part of christmas it's the offensive side because when you celebrate christmas you have to acknowledge i need a savior my culture needs to be submitted to the culture that was created on that very first christmas day and i need to be submitted to what this says because this is the only way forward for true joy, true peace, and all of those things that we associate with Christmas, there's only one way forward, and that's through the culture that Jesus created by being the Savior. It was, a, it was really a revolution. It was where every culture could come. No matter where, what part of the world you were from, you could come and submit yourself to what he did, and it would change everything about your life to where that your old culture was left behind and your new culture 
became what you identified as. And so what we have to do and what our job to remember is that we are all Christians first. We're Christians before we are Arkansans. We're Christians before we are Americans. We are Christians before we are any other label that you could put on yourself and say, this is what I am. The reason we celebrate Christmas and the reason the big idea of Christmas was that Jesus came to make everyone equal. Because here's, here's the thing about equality. and See, these are words that are very, very popular today. Equality, culture, multiculturalism. These are things that we talk about. We need to be tolerant and we need to recognize other people's value. And that's true, but there's two ways to recognize people's value. First, the way that God created us all equal. Right? That every human being is created equal. At the moment of creation... You are equal. Every little child has equal opportunity, equal ability. Every child is created equal. Every person, every race, every ethnicity is created equal. But they are born, the Bible says, that children are born into iniquity. They're born into a sinful system that by its very design is unequal. A sinful world is not a place where equality can ever be achieved, ever. Because there are differences of people's abilities, incomes, opportunities. When they are born into the world, a child that is born in, let's say, a rural part of wherever, Timbuktu, and they don't have any running water, and they don't have any ability to travel, and, they don't, and their parents make a pennies a day, they are less, they have a less of an opportunity in this world to achieve than somebody that's born in New York City to a very, you know, rich family with a lot of political connections. You understand what I'm saying? That the, that the child was created equal, but born into a culture, born into a system of ideas and choices that the parents made, and then they're going to grow up to make choices that make equal opportunity almost impossible in this world. And when there's inequality, there's a really hard time to bring peace, love, and joy. Why? Because there's strife, and there's jealousy, and there is stuff that just makes our world not work. It's a testimony of itself, of the brokenness of our world. The fact that people cannot get along. The fact that people just cannot seem to coexist with each other. Why? Because we are still wrapped up in our cultures. And it's net, multiculturalism is never going to be the answer because there will always be people that have that belief that my group is better than your group. And we have this struggle this class and group struggle and see universities and, and, and a lot of people that are pretty educated, they see this problem, but they don't have any framework to address it. So they try radical things. How many have ever heard of communism? It's a radical thing to try to erase all cultures. Did you know that in the Soviet Union they had a dress code for the entire country? So not only could you not own your own property, you just lived in the apartments that the government assigned you, but they issued you government-issued uniforms. And so everybody 
I mean, grandmas, grandpas, no matter what your job, you wore a government-issued uniform. They tried to erase all culture. Why? Because they knew that inequality was a problem. And they wanted to address it, so they erased all public, all private property so that everybody would supposedly be on the same level. Now, because humans are corrupt, it didn't work because there were always people that were getting rich that had friends in the right places, and they didn't have to wear the uniforms, and they, didn't have, they could own private things, and it was just other folks that got pushed out. So it created this thing. It's why it's, communism has never, ever, ever worked. Why? Because human beings are, are faulty. But Jesus, he has the answer to all these problems of inequality because he says, if you come to me and you submit your culture to my culture, I will transform you. See, this is where the, talking about being the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That's why we say that Jesus is our king, because we have pledged allegiance to him. And if that, that allegiance supersedes every other culture that we could identify with. How many have ever heard the phrase born again? No, we're, we're born again Christians. We are filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. That's why you must be born again. Because when you are filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, it erases the previous cultural moorings that you had or are things that connect you to that previous culture and it puts you in a new culture where the answers are, where there can be peace on earth, where there can be true joy and harmony together. Why? Because we are now part of one culture. It's no longer us versus them. It is we are together. We are part of the body of Christ. How many have ever heard the teaching on the body of Christ or heard that phrase? The body of Christ fitly framed together. So the big idea about Christmas is that Jesus came to erase the cultural divides. And no matter your background, he wants to pull you and bring you into the unity of the body. Being a Christian is a radical thing. And somebody said it earlier that in Arkansas, that Christianity is just kind of our culture. It's a part of the culture at large. But that can't really affect who we are in the church because no matter whether we lived in Arkansas or not, whether maybe we lived in China where there is no Christian culture at all, you would still have to live the same way even if it was more difficult. Why? Because it unifies. Because truly following the Bible means that you come and you have something more in common with somebody that you should not have anything in common with. People start looking the same no matter what country, nation, tribe they come from. Why? Because they are lining up to the same set of values and that's how you can have peace on earth. So like when me and Sister Nikki went to Namibia, we can feel an instant connection with those people even though we grew up so differently and we have such different backgrounds and such different cultures, but because we have both submitted our life to the culture of Jesus Christ that we have really no differences. We can really say they are my brother and they are my sister. 
And it brings things together. Now, in, in the mission field, it's very, very interesting because even though the media likes to yap about how our country is divided, really, we have a pretty good culture as far as being together. Because over there, in, in, in different countries, and in, in Namibia specifically, there are tribes, and they may look the same to an outsider. They have the same skin color, and they, they just they look a lot the same. They dress the same. Sometimes. Sometimes they have differentiating dress, but a lot of times they hate each other because they come from different tribes. And so it's much more complex and much more different, and it's not anything like our country. It's just it's very, very different. And so they really have to hammer this point home that being a Christian is about culture so that when you become a Christian, you have to stop being a tribal member. You have to stop saying we are better than they are. You have to say, I am no longer allied to my tribe, but I am allied to Jesus. And my brothers are not just who uh, is part of my tribe, but who is a part of the body of Christ. They are now my brothers. They are now my sisters. And I am a Christian first. That's what Christmas is about. And people, very smart people all over the world know that this is a problem. There was a big um, article when I was in school. Now, nobody would have ever read it here because it's it, very few people read these kind of articles. Uh, it's just for a very small group of people that, are, you know, like ac academics. It's not real popular. But in my little circle, when I was going to school as an English major, there was an article that was going, going around um, by, a by a man named uh, Benedict Anderson, and he wrote an article about imagined communities. And what he argued was that all country, race, ethnicity, allegiances are imagined. They are in our imagination, right? We, we, we think that because we live in a boundary of Arkansas, which is not really, there's, have you ever been across the state line? Did you see a line? No, because because it was drawn. Yeah, it was a sign. There was man-made things because it was drawn on a map. And sometimes there we use a river as a natural barrier. But that that was there are sometimes rivers aren't a line. Every time you come to a river doesn't mean you're crossing out of state. Right. And so we choose which rivers are going to be boundaries and we choose where the boundary lines are going to be. And so we may somebody that in northwest Arkansas and somebody from southeast Arkansas you know, you may live closer to somebody in Louisiana, but you may feel more of a connection with somebody from Arkansas because you're from Arkansas. Because, but you may live further apart. You may actually be more different. But you see what I'm saying. So he had this idea that even countries were imagined. Now, it's, it's kind of an interesting idea that, that, you know, the only reason why we're the United States of America and the, way, the reason it looks the way it does is because of political reasons. And so there's just different, different things that went into it. And so really he argues that this kind of nationalism and, like, patriotism, so this is, this is what they teach in universities. They teach anti-patriotism, anti-nationalism, because they make a valid point that it's really kind of imaginary. It's arbitrary based on human... Uh, political things about where the boundaries are and who's aligned with who. It's something we create. So they, they have, they, and I can point to that and say, you know what, that's an interesting point. But their solution is, that's where they, this is where it breaks down because they have no ability. They don't honor Christmas, right? They don't believe that Christmas, it's just like a nice little thing, but it's nothing that really touches any truth, any power. So they just say, well, 
we just have to be multicultural. We just have to, you know, really not be patriots. We just have to not love our country. We just have to not do all this stuff. And we have to just love everybody that's out there and love all their different cultures and love all their different things. And but the problem is, is that there are some cultures that we can point to and we can say that is not right. You can look at at strict Islamic culture where they openly beat women who, you know, don't wear their head veil and they will cane them in public with a massive cane almost to the point of death. And you can say that is not good culture. That is bad religion. That is bad culture. That is not right. So you can feel it that there are some cultures that are not correct. There are some things that just in our heart we just know that's not right. But so then how do you address this problem of different cultures and different people when not all cultures are equal? There are some cultures that are just not equal. They just the choices that they make is not that they weren't created equal, but it's that the choices that they've made in a broken world means that there is no answer. So I understand their frustration. I can see and point to the truth that, yes, a lot of times cultures are imagined. We just imagine that we have more in common with somebody from Arkansas than somebody from else. Now, there are some things that we share, but I, you can see how that's not fixed in stone. But the, the way they get to an answer is just this. It just breaks down into chaos. And I want to say when I was sitting in those classes, I know the answer to these problems. I know how you get people that no matter where they are from to share a kinship and a brotherhood. I know how to get people from Africa and people from Europe to feel like they are brothers and sisters and not having to like eat each other's food and, and share each other's customs, but to really feel a kinship. And that is to be born again so that you're no longer a European and you're no longer an African and you're no longer American, but you are a Christian. And then you are brothers and sisters in the Lord. See, Christianity heals racism every time because you're no longer black and you're no longer white. And the Bible says you're no longer male and you're no longer female in the eyes of God you are a Christian first before you're allied with any other group before you link arms and say this is my people and I'm going to die with them when you're born again you now link arms with the church and you link arms with Jesus Christ and you say these are my people this who is I who I am and I'm going to take value in my identity as a Christian that means I'm going to dress like a Christian because sister Haley said it your culture is how you dress that's why the Bible has specific about how to dress modestly. Modesty is a good culture. Cultures that don't have modesty have problems with AIDS. Cultures that don't have uh, sexual ethics have problems with abortion and unwanted pregnancies and STDs and all kinds of stuff. But you know what? We don't have that problem in a true Christian culture. Why? Because modesty protects. We don't have a problem of sexual assault in a true Christian culture. Why? Because our ladies are protected by what they wear and our young men are protected by their integrity. And that Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes that I would not look upon a maid. That's a good culture to be a part of, young men. That says, I'm not going to be a pig like everybody else in this culture. I'm going to be what Jesus called me to be. And that's a man of integrity. And I'm going to keep my eyes to myself. And I'm going to preserve myself for my future spouse. Because the culture of marriage is a good thing. And it's laid out in the Bible. And it protects children. They can be raised in a, in a home where there's a mom and a dad to teach and instruct and protect them. That's a good thing to be a part of. That is my culture. I'm not an American first. I am a Christian first. I'm not a white man first. I am a Christian first. I'm not a butler bulldog or a Calvary Christian school eagle first. I am a Christian. 
That's who I am. That's who I identify with. I'm not just a member of Cornerstone Apostolic Church. I am a part of the body of Jesus Christ. And it's not about what church I go to as long as you believe this word. The problem is with why we talk about you need to be in an apostolic church is because those are the churches that generally preach the word. That's what it's about. It's not about membership at a church. It's about aligning with the culture that Jesus came to create on Christmas Day. It's about the culture of Christmas. He came to say, I know how to give peace on earth. And it's not through human effort and human ambition and erasing all cultures and all that kind of stuff through just human effort and multiculturalism. But it's about coming and being born again so that you are no longer a part of the old nation, but you are part of the new nation. And they dealt with this in the book of Acts. And they said, you're no longer a Jew. You're no longer a Gentile. You're no longer a child of Abraham just because you were born a Jew, but you are a child of Abraham when you were filled with the power of the Holy Ghost and Jew or Gentile, meaning Jew or other person, Jew or Greek, Jew or Roman, Jew or Iranian or Arabic, what it didn't matter. If you came to the foot of the cross, then you were a brother in the Lord. You were a sister in the Lord. That's what it means to be born again. And that's what Christmas is about, addressing the cultural problems of our day. Because cultures will conflict and cultures full of sin and selfishness and ambition will push each other and say we are better or no, we are better. But when you come into the culture of Christianity, we have a culture that prefers our brother and says, no, I'm going to let you take the higher seat. No, I'm going to I'm going to prefer you. I'm, if I'm if somebody's going to give and sacrifice, it's going to be me and I'm going to give and sacrifice to you. I'm going to wash your feet. That's why we have foot washing. Why? Because Jesus, our king, established the culture that he would gird himself with a towel. Our king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, our king, the, our leader, right? The one who sits on the throne, he girded himself with a towel and washed those who were under him, who were subjected to him, who were his followers. He washed their feet. And he said, so that you will do to others, so that you will learn to serve your brother and sister in the Lord. It is not about who is rich and who is powerful. It's about who is going to serve like our king served. That's the kind of culture that I am a part of. It's the culture that was established on Christmas. That is a good thing. If you had people serving one another, the world would be a much better place. If you had people that lived with faithfulness and dedication and devotion and without selfishness, without malice, without fornication, without envies, without murder, without debate, without deceit. These are things outlined in the Bible. That's a part of the culture that I am involved in. That's where peace is. That's where the answer is. That's where true uh, liberty can be found. It was established on Christmas Day. That's what Christmas is about. That's what Christmas is about. So when you're celebrating this year, when you're going to the parties and when you're with family, I just want you to remember that because he lives, because he came, you have a duty and you have an obligation to conform yourself to the culture that he came to create. Because you need a savior. You need a savior. You cannot save yourself. I see that's part of our culture, American culture, and it generally it's a good thing about you can be whoever you want to be because this is America. And we love rags to riches stories, but it doesn't matter if you're poor or if you're rich, you still need a savior.
you can go from rags to riches and still not be saved. You can go from obscure backwoods to a superstar because you sang good on American Idol, but you still need a Savior. You still need a Savior. That's what the story of Christmas is. So to truly celebrate Christmas, we have to have a Savior. You have to understand that my culture, my culture must die. And I must belong to him.